my oh oh it's an educated like clapboard <laughs> that's so fancy okay we are rolling we're rolling and we're back hi everyone <laughs> hi sophia hi everybody hi how are you austin i'm good we are back in the studio it's been a month and a half i think yeah it's been our summer vacay our unplanned summer vacay it feels like a very long time but also it's only been a month and a half too so yeah, that's so true. <laughs> so uh, have you been since our last meeting? I have been good. I've been in a mild reading slump. I'm not going to lie. So you've probably read like what? 150 books instead of 200? <laughs> no. no, definitely not. <laughs> um, no, but it's been a lot of like um, angry punk girl music of the indie <laughs> rock persuasion and lots of, uh, like Monica Geller tidying. Um, but how have you been? I'm good. Since our last episode, I've finished work. Amazing. I have moved to a completely new city. I start school this week, my master's. So Yay. a lot of big changes. That's why we haven't recorded in so long. We both have a lot of stuff going on. You've started a new yeah. job since our last episode. I have. I have. I'm back in the library. And it actually, was... you you finished grad school since our last episode, too. I did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> wow. When life moves this fast, who knew? Congratulations on that, Master Sophia. Oh my God. Thank you. Congratulations on beginning your journey, future Master Austin. <laughs> I know our, our situations have flipped now. You're working full time and done school and I'm starting school and I'm finished finish working full time. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's a wild time to be alive. Um, so have you been reading anything new and exciting in the last month or so? Actually, I've been reading something old and exciting because on this week's episode, we're talking about the girl with the dragon tattoo, which I'm very excited about. I thought we were doing Caesar this week. <laughs> you can tell. You can tell that we haven't done this in a while. That's why I did the costume. <laughs> I have no idea. I thought you were just moving you on and you unpacked it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have the girl with the dragon tattoo. Like... Okay, we'll call it cut on that one. <laughs> oh, no, it was so good before that. <laughs> I'll be honest, I did most of my preparing for Caesar. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm just about to put you on the spot. <laughs> completely new. Okay. Um, we're probably going to cut out the other part, but for everyone <laughs> tuning in at this point, Austin and I just had a horrifying moment where we both studied for the wrong test because <laughs> we both showed up to this episode ready to talk about something else. <laughs> And, and the look of betrayal that Austin sent me while he was dressed as Caesar was <laughs> poetic and well-timed. Um, I'll Austin, make the title of this episode, episode whatever, Julius Caesar, JK, <laughs> girl with a dragon tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> the look of betrayal. I am so sorry. If there was ever a moment when I was worried about our friendship, it was that one. <laughs> Please don't. Okay, so we'll, we'll bring it back a few weeks. A couple okay. episodes ago, we did, we talked about a book trade we did where I assigned Sophia Caligula by Simon Termini to read. Amazing. And my book that I was assigned was The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Not, yeah. not Caesar. It wasn't Caesar. <laughs> no. no, it wasn't. <laughs> oh my God, I feel awful. <laughs> this is like when you have like a nightmare about like walking into class in your underwear or something. <laughs> I walk so into class. I walk into Caesar. I walk into Girl with a Dragon Girl. Girl with a Dragon <laughs> Tattoo class in a toga. Yes. Um, anyway. didn't you, you didn't think it was weird that I was wearing a toga then for no, no reason. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, Austin loves Caesar. He's shown up to episodes <laughs> with laurels before. Why would he not just break out the toga? I didn't know. I was in my normal outfit for every episode going forward. I was like, well, he is a museum studies major now, so maybe this is just his museum. Oh, I, I stole the toga from a museum. Exactly. That's what good curators do. That's and I get kicked out of the program probably before I even start. But... <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know if I'm going to get over that. That was hilarious. <laughs> um, anyway, I... I'm so excited to hear what you thought about this book. And... Um... Okay, I, I want to know your reaction first before we get into it. Like, did you like reading it? I liked it a lot, yeah. Okay, amazing. There was one point where it, it hooked me in. I think it was right around the part where they figured out... Well, actually, we'll, we'll get into this, like, okay. broad strokes of the book. So, it's a Swedish novel. Yep. It's um, a murder mystery, you'd say, a thriller. 
Yeah, I would classify it as like crime fiction, like thriller. Like, you know, that whole like Scandinavian noir yeah. like wave. It's really good. Uh, so it follows a disgraced journalist, Mikhail Blomqvist, mm-hmm. who just lost a big court case against this corporation for uh, what's the word slander. Yes. Yeah, so Blomqvist is charged with, and I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, I'm so sorry, but he's charged um, with libel uh, because he accused a huge, like, billionaire business mogul, Vennerstrom, of something that he couldn't prove. So the story kind of hops in there, and you're kind of thrust into everything right away. And from there, um, he's charged, he's really broke, and he's, like, kind of this... um, I don't want to say idealistic, but he's really like someone who focuses on like minorities in Sweden and, you know, things that affect them. And he's really kind of the guy who like goes after like big fish to try to take them down. And so we're kind of like joining the story when he's down and out. He's about to go to jail to serve time for this. And he's lost a lot of money. And then he gets a mysterious proposition um, from Wenger, uh, who is like another billionaire, but he has like this weird proposition where he's been faced with a mystery that's haunted him most of his life. He's this 80 year old guy. He's kind of like approaching the end of his, you know, life and he's pretty realistic about it. And he wants to know what happened to his great niece, Harriet, who went missing. And so he hires Blomqvist to research what happened. And he basically is like, under the guise of like writing a family history, please look into this and tell me what happened. So that's kind of where we join in the story. And then of course we meet our favorite heroine, Lisbeth Salander, who is iconic. (laughs) I'm fully biased. I love her so much. Um, And she's just kind of like this anti-hero right from the start. So she's super intelligent. She's a hacker. She's employed by like this um, company called Milton Security. And basically she looks into things for people. So she gets involved. And then so Blomqvist and Salander are working on this case together to try to find out what happened to Harriet. I think we'll leave our spoilers for later on. But yes, I really like the book. Like I said before, there's a certain part where I just got hooked and it was just the tension just kept building from there up and up. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. I wrote this down because... um, Austin probably thinks that I'm like a heathen because I have this like thing where I don't finish books if I don't like them. And I was thinking about this because I remember picking this up and being like, oh, like everyone's always freaking out about this book. Like it's a big deal, but I don't really get it. And so I was reading it this time around and I was so bored in the first 60 pages. I was like, okay, like I don't need to hear about like a business and how it works and taxes and evasion. And then I hit like page 100 and I was like, wow, if I didn't know that I loved this book already, I would have stopped reading it. That mm-hmm. is one criticism I had. I found the, the beginning and the very end of the book dragged mm-hmm. on for way too long. We'll get into the like, fine details of that later on. But yeah. like the, the the middle action was very, very exciting, very tension filled. Oh, yeah. But I found the beginning and the end didn't really have much to do with the main meat of the mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I find I'm more forgiving about the end that drags on because I'm always the person who wants to know more after the epilogue, but Uh, I understand that it's not wrapped up as like neatly as it could have been. Um, but yeah, it it totally made me think of like, "Mm, maybe I should question my like, do not finish ratio (laughs) pages. Cause I was like, I love this book. Like it's one of my favorite books. Um, I was going to ask, what's your experience with it? I've, you've read it multiple times, right? Mm-hmm. You read it. Have you you've seen both film adaptations? Yes, I have actually. Did you read the book before seeing either of them? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I like I loved the book a lot, and I was trying to kind of reflect on like why it left such a big impact on me because it was weird. Like I couldn't like I remember the basic premise of it, but I like certain parts I was like, oh, I forgot about that, or that wasn't how I remembered it. And then I was thinking to myself that, like, I thought this was so well done because, like, there's a lot of novels like this. And there's a lot, especially in, like, the American, like, John Grisham, James Patterson kind of vibe. But I don't think anyone else focuses on, like, like the situations encountered by minorities in countries in a way that's, like, not sensationalized. Like, uh-huh. I think... They do now, but I think this is my first experience reading something like that where I was like, oh, like it's not something that's like 
tokenizing people or like really just like breaking down. Like it was very well done, I thought. Um, just one point on that. I think the I think the Swedish translate or the translation of the Swedish version of the title is a lot more fitting than the English translation. Mm. I think the Swedish title is Men Who Hate Women uh, as opposed to World Journey Two. I think that is much more fitting to the themes and the plot of the book than Yes. The Girls Journey, which is kind of vague and doesn't really relate too much to the plot or the themes really. Yeah. I think like that's just more of like an edgy, flashy title. Like Yeah. I agree. I think like the original title is better. And like, I don't know. I just, I really, I really like this book. I think it reads to me like almost like a film noir in a sense, which I like. I think it just has a lot of elements that like we'll dive into, but I don't know. I'm just super excited that we're talking. Uh-huh. Should we get into <laughs> spoiler territory? Yes. Okay. So the main mystery of the book is that the man who hires Blancvist, Harold, Harold Wenger, right? Henrik. Heinrich. Heinrich. Yeah. yeah. His great grandniece goes went missing about 30 years in the past. Yep. During an event where the this small secluded island in Sweden was blocked off in all directions. So it leaves a limited number of suspects and Heinrich very much suspects that it's a family member who was responsible for Harriet's death who was his great grandniece. Yep. So a lot of the novel is just Blancvist going through each of the family members and trying to figure out who would be responsible for it. So in the end, it winds up being that it was Harriet's brother who, well, actually, no, it it turns out that Harriet wasn't murdered after all. She was able to escape and flee to England where she's lived under a fake identity for the past 30 years. Yeah. But it was because that she was trying to run away from her husband, not her husband, her brother, Martin, mm-hmm. who was, uh, he winds up being a murderer and a rapist and... Yeah all that stuff yeah and like again before we go on we should probably put in like a trigger warning for like rape incest like lots of yeah it gets pretty brutal at some points yes like awful things so this is like highly sensitive topic so if it's too much for you please feel free to skip this one but um i think like again going back to your comment about like the title the original title it's it's very fitting i think that like stag larson like really focuses on like misogyny a lot in his book and I think that like like even at the beginning of each part like there's four parts to the book and at each part it like has a quote about like the stats involving like sexual assault and domestic violence in Sweden and so that's kind of like the lens that we're going into the book with um which again a lot of true crime revolves around that there's a lot of like focus on like what it is to be like a woman or a non-binary person who's a victim of these assaults and like the layers that kind of unfold as we go into the story are like horrifying. (laughs) Um, But like it's done really well in the fact that like it's all simmering, like you can feel it simmering throughout the thing. And then when it finally comes to a head, you're not surprised, but also it's like, I feel like it culminates really strongly. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. But that's just me. I I found that it, like, there was just so many layers to it. And, like, what I love, too, about it is that, like, so there's these layers, like, discussing misogyny. And, like, there's a lot of, like, like anti-immigrant, anti-refugee, just racist behaviors that are dealt with in the novel. Uh. But, like, alongside that, there's Blomkvist, who is, like, a hetero white male in this thing. But he also, like, has all these really interesting relationships with women. That's a point that, a point of derision that I had. You didn't like it. Yeah. he Throughout the novel, he has three different sexual partners. Yes. But he doesn't really settle down with either of them. He has his business partner. Her name escapes me at the moment. Erica. Do you remember? Erica yes. Berger. Mm-hmm. And then he has one of Heinrich Wenger's nieces. Is it Cecilia. Anita? Cecilia. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Also, his partner in the investigation, Elizabeth Salander, which that was the one I had the most problem with. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just kind of unnecessary to have those two be like a a sexual couple when. I, okay, so circling back again, the first time I read this, I think I was like 17 or 18. And I was like, this is very interesting to me. And I was like, the kind of pause for a sec. Yeah. You also keep forgetting that we're not still seventeen or eighteen. We're both twenty-four now. 
Okay, now I'm disturbed. Now you said 17 a... or 18. I was like, oh yeah, she read that like a year or two ago. But no, this would have been like five or six years ago. <laughs> Don't remind me. Uh... <laughs> I digress. <laughs> With your recent birthday, your mortality is really just like on your mind. Um... Almost halfway to 50, Sophia. Stop. <laughs> Why must you do this to us? It makes it even more poetic that you're wearing like your alumni like shirt right now. <laughs> like I'm like. After I had to take the toga off after our miscommunication. <laughs> okay, sorry, as you were saying. Okay, so I wrote this note down because as I was reading it, I was like, this hit me again too. So I love the ambiguity and I don't know why I do because if this was real life today, I would be like, this kind of sounds like a fuckboy move, like to be like dating around and everything but the thing i just want to this this novel was written in the early 2000s right it also takes place in the early 2000s yeah. from what i remember okay yeah and like i love it too because like it kind of reads like okay there's elements of noir so you kind of feel like you're in like almost like a hard-boiled detective kind of vibe but then also like there's a part that i wrote down here where it's like um he's talking about what he gave his daughter for christmas and he's like talking about like the novelty of like an iPod shuffle because then she can get rid of the CDs. And I'm like, oh, this is like a long time ago, actually. Like, <laughs> I remember iPod shuffles. Yeah. For you kids listening, once upon a time, <laughs> you had to have two separate devices, one to text, one to listen to music. That was Grandpa Austin's segment. <laughs> an, I, an iPod. It had a little circular disc to cycle through your songs. <laughs> You'd only probably hold about 30 of them in the earliest iPods. Oh my God. <laughs> I had to explain what like a like a VHS tape was to my brother the other day. And I was like, this is not, this is not <laughs> it. Like I feel ancient. And he was like, well, I don't know. I wasn't born in the 1900s. And I was like, you know, you just don't have to. <laughs> my sister's boyfriend is only two years younger than I am. But I always talk to him like he's <laughs> like a 12 year old. Like he doesn't know what like older technology is. Like, look at this, Briar. This is a CD. So we listen to music back in 2004. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, anyway, okay, going back to Blomqvist. He's completely upfront and open about it. And like my thing is that I thought it was so interesting. So in the novel, Blomqvist and his partner run a magazine called Millennium. They've known each other since they were like students at journalism school together. And they kind of like met while they were in relationships with people. And then like the way he describes it, he's like, we both knew by the end of the week that we'd be in bed together. And ever since, like they've had this on and off thing where like they are totally conscious of what they are to each other. And even if like they're married to other people, they're Which still- Erica is, yes. Yes. Erica is married to an artist who knows about Blomqvist and is fine with the arrangement. So, like, Erica will just spend, like, a certain amount of time with him per year, and, like, she's just kind of, like, fine with that. And Blomqvist kind of, like, does what he does. Um, and in this, like, book, like, while he's away from Erica, he, like, hooks up with um, Cecilia Vanger, Vanger um, and also he and Lisbeth, like, end up together at one point. And so, like, to me, like, the fluidity of that, coupled with, like, him being a genuine person who's just like honest and is like, I'm not here to commit to anything, but like, I'm here for you. Like, it was weird. It was like a weird thing where it was like contradictory, but also like, he's not bad. He's just how he is. Uh -huh. you know what I mean? And it's, it's very rare for me to like read a book and encounter a ladies man and be like, Oh, you're kind of cool. Usually I'm like, you're a Hemingway stay away. But like, I, I don't know what it is that made this work for me. I know I personally found the, the relationship with Elizabeth, mm -hmm. Elizabeth, to seem like it kind of shows that a man and a woman can't have a professional relationship without it being sexual. Right. Which is even reinforced because of him and, um, what's his first partner's name, sorry again? Erica. Erica, yeah. Because yeah. they had that long-standing rela sexual relationship. Yeah. And it's the same thing with his new business partner, which, yeah, yeah. I, I find that kind of shows that in this world, a man and a woman can't work together without it being without having the sexual relationship behind it, which I found a little weird. No, that's like a good point. I mean, like, there's just so many layers to it. And I always wonder about that, too, because I'm like, do you ever feel like when you hear our friends talking about dating, they're like, where do you even meet people anymore? And the answer is like work or school. Like, that's it. Uh. Like, and so I'm like. I guess in my mind, that's how I remedied it, where I was like, oh, well, obviously, like, they are they were, like, put together on this case, but it's not like they're, like, actual work partners. Like, they work for different companies. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
but I see what you're saying because that also makes sense. It's a, it's a tricky one. So we talked about the characterization of Blonfitz. You said he's like a real genuine and like straightforward person. Yeah. I'm curious what you think of Salander. I'm guessing I you're a huge her. fan. Yeah. I love her hands down, but I am like a sucker for like an anti-hero with like a warped sense of justice. I'm uh. into it. And like, I think her character is just extremely well done. Um, because I, I just like adore her. I love the way that like every time she was written about, you kind of uncover like another little thing that you didn't know, which like makes more sense of her, um, which is what good writing does. Right. But like, I think that this one was just really well done because it's very subtle. Like it's very subtle. You could be like reading about like her hacking into something and all of a sudden, like you get like one line about like her childhood and you're like, Oh, like it's just really like, it's like you don't even notice it until you're at the end of the chapter almost, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Um, so I just think she's great. I thought it was really funny how they made such a big deal about her being a hacker. I know. For a novel that came out in 2004 when that wasn't such like a, a prolific thing back then. <laughs> like, wow, this is like a one in a million thing. She's a hacker. She can get into somebody's <laughs> computer, somebody's somebody's um, home computer with the big modem. And I know. <laughs> And like now it's like 12 year old kids know how to code video games. It's I'm sure I'm sure your what four year old, three year old brother knows how to <laughs> hack into a computer now. <laughs> age we live in. Um, yeah. So I wanted to ask about the, the mystery of the novel, yes. which is the disappearance of Harriet. Mm-hmm. The, the first time you read it, did you were you able to predict how it all went down or did it keep you on like the edge of your seat the entire time? Like, I thought she was alive the whole time. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Okay. <laughs> same page. Um, but I didn't really know which of the, like, the, like, Vanger relatives it was who was, like, problematic. That was one thing that kind of was difficult for me in the beginning. It was all the different Vangers, just a flurry of them all at once. There's so many. And there's so many layers. I think the first time I read it, I didn't realize that, like, Harriet was Heinrich's great niece I thought like she was just his niece or something uh-huh. but then I realized that there's like three generations that we're looking at four really because like the younger one comes in too but I thought that was really cool too because the idea of like him like first of all I want to acknowledge that I love that in the beginning of the novel he's fully willing to pay Blomqvist like top dollar to put his family on blast. Like he's like, here's full access to my diaries, the archives. Like, I just want to know which one of these evil people did this to my darling niece. (laughs) And I was like, okay, Heinrich, like go off. Um, And he literally refers to them as like a pit of vipers at one point. And like that immediately sets the tone, which I love because it's like this super wealthy family. They're all out to get each other. They just want to take over as CEO. And like that tone immediately is like, oh my gosh. And then you kind of have a soft spot for like that whole, like, you know, that archetype of like a wealthy benefactor who's supporting like the underdog. So yeah, Nick is like, oh, Blomqvist, like your dad worked for me in the seventies. Like, that's why I sought you out. That kind of made me weary of Heinrich. Cause I was like, really? he seems like an amazing old man. There's gotta be something up yes. with him. Yeah, which at the end he does. the The main reason that Blomfisk takes the the job is because Heinrich promises him dirt on the person who sued him before the, with the libel suit. Yeah, Vennerstrom. Yeah, he tells him if you do this job for me, I'll give you dirt on Vennerstrom. Mm-hmm. And he does. And by the time he solved behind or uh, Blomfisk solves the mystery, the evidence that Heinrich gives him, the statute of limitation is expired or something. So he kind of screws him over in the end, which I guess kind of is the too good to be true thing like he wasn't all it was cracked up to be in the end but it still wasn't as bad as i was expecting i thought it would be a lot darker than that i agree and like that's what i was going to ask you about too so i mean we've all already acknowledged that there's like spoilers in this section but at the very end um heinrich is like hey like i'm so sorry um i know that i told you you could publish this book on the family and i want you to know i'll reimburse you for all the funds like that you would have gotten if you published But Harriet has been through so much, like her dad and her brother like assaulted her and she killed her dad and she was the granddaughter of a Nazi, like just layer upon layer of. That's another I wanted to bring up the the Nazi grandfather. That was just kind of thrown in there for no reason, wasn't it? It, He he shows up in one scene. He's like, sup, I'm a Nazi. (laughs) I hate my daughter. See ya. And then he just kind of still he's still kicking around at the end of the novel like nothing. But I think there's like, no comeuppance or anything. 
Is there a resident Nazi? He just kind of rants and rambles around the island, but just don't don't pay him any mind. Okay, he's so evil, one. And two, like, it, it, it is a lingering thing. So if you read the rest of the books in the series, like, he kind of revamps to focus more on uh, okay. the, neo, the neo-Nazis in Sweden. I was going to ask you about the rest of the series later, yeah. later on. So, like, the neo-Nazi presence and, like, the anti-immigrant refugee presence is, like, there. And they're usually, like, the villains or, like, what Blomqvist is working against because... Does that harm- particular character come back again or... No. Just like a thematic, okay. Thematic, yeah. Okay, so we still, he's still just being an Nazi on the island, so, like... Probably. kind of got free reign. That's Probably. cool, yeah. You know, rich old <laughs> men. You know still hate my daughter. I still hate minorities. That's, that's <laughs> cool. <laughs> they, Harriet killed her dad, so Alicia doesn't have to worry about that, but... Um, that's not that's not really cool. I just wanted to clarify that was a joke. <laughs> yeah. Anybody listening, I don't I don't it's agree like, with. Yeah, absolutely not. I know uh, it's hard to tell with my tone of voice sometimes, but <laughs> no. I think like too like the element of reality in addressing issues that like m- may not impact like everyday Swedes the same way. Like going back to like what made this book stand out to me, it's not sensationalized. It's more of like the addressing of like how certain people slip through the cracks or like no one is willing to help them or like that aspect of it. Um, And so like that interests me too, because like, you're right. Like they're just letting this Nazi roam around the Island. Nobody cares. He's rich enough to be fine. And so I think that's kind of like, like, and to clarify, like a a real Nazi, not like a neo-Nazi, like, um, and so that's like. What's the opposite of of neo, a paleo-Nazi? Oh God! Who knows at this point? Maybe they are too much Nazi talk this episode. (laughs) To be honest, (laughs) what we were talking about before was uh, talking Uh, about the family. Yes, so many bangers. That's the point. Oh yes, they're all awful. Like later, we find out that Harriet's mom knew that, like her brother Martin and her husband were like both assaulting Harriet, and she didn't do anything because all she cared about was the money. Oh, yeah, the, the mother's still alive yes. at the, the present tense of the novel, right? And at the end of the novel, when Harriet is, like, by Heinrich's bedside, he's had a heart attack, the mother bursts in and she's like, you're not my daughter, you're an imposter, because she just wants money still. I was like, ma'am, like, relax, stop. It was awful. Um, so I think that was, like, an element. I'm not a proponent of matricide, but Harriet's already got the patricide under her belt. So what's one more? <laughs> Isabella Wanger was not <laughs> it. She was not it. Um, okay, so I want to talk about Martin. Yes. Martin is the main villain of the novel. He's the one who, he's a serial killer. He kidnaps and abuses and kills all these women. Yeah. He was the one who drove Harriet into fleeing Sweden. Yeah. He's been a murderer since what? It's like teenage years. Yes. He's got the secret torture murder dungeon in his basement. Blech. Did you see all that coming the first time you read the novel? No, I didn't. Um, Martin like was kind of like he. I, I felt like he came out of left field because I thought it was just Harriet's father who was like murdering and and assaulting people. But it turns out that Martin like they they did this thing where they handed off the legacy almost, and so Martin was like indoctrinated into this. And then Martin and their father tried to, like, convince Harriet to join. But then, like, when she was like, uh, you guys are fucked up. I'm not mm. doing that. Then they turned on her and they started, like, like harming her. Um, and so, like, that surprised me because I was, like, I thought it was just the dad. Like, I thought they were both victims of him. And then it turns out that Martin also was, like, a sadist and just terrible. I, I suspected Martin when he tried to throw these roadblocks into Blomsk's way. Uh, yeah. What did I he try to do? He um, he offered to put Blomsk's company back on its feet. I'm having trouble saying that. I know. Back on its feet so we would leave the case and just go back to his normal work, like stuff like that. Yeah. Where it's kind of subtle ways trying to get him off the island, but Blomsk's kind of catch caught on each time. I thought it was like because he was the CEO of the Vanger Corporation that he just didn't want any bad publicity and he was like, Every single one of my relatives is evil. Please do not out us because the company is on the way down. So I like put my blinders on and I totally didn't even think that uh-huh. it was him. 
I do agree with what you said. It is kind of out of left field. Like he has this all of a sudden personality switch where he's yeah. kind of charming and a businessman. And all of a sudden he's just like a sociopath and yes. he's bragging to Blomfisk about the murders he's done. Like that, that was kind of out of character from what we've seen before. I know, but I but guess, I guess he, he would be in his environment because he tells all this to Blomfisk in his torture room. Yeah. So I guess he's in creepy killer mode, I guess you could Ooh. say. <laughs> creepy killer mode. It was It was awful. I hated reading that part. Um, One of the criticism I do have is that they reveal Martin as the murderer, mm. and within fifty pages, it's just resolved like he gets killed in a car, like a car chase, and that's kind of it. I thought there would be more to come from that, other than just the reveal and then his death. Yes. So Salander chases after Martin and essentially kills him, but makes it look like a suicide. I thought he did kill himself. I thought he drove into the car on purpose. I don't know if he did or not. Yeah, yeah to, I thought I'm, he. I thought he thought the game was up, so we just drove into a possibly. truck. Oh yeah, maybe that is it, or maybe I got confused in the chasing, maybe. But, um, yeah, I found that like to be fine because I was like, look, uh, he's so wealthy that like he would probably get off anyway. So I was like, this is kind of like the closure. But like, I also just wanted to point out that like. I liked reading the way they solved the case because like we're at this very interesting point where like as we were talking about earlier like hacking was kind of new at the time so like that tiny little sprinkling of like digital sleuthing that like Lisbeth does is like well done and interesting. I know but, like, I bet people at the time are like wow she has a laptop <laughs> it's a portable computer <laughs> but like you can access the interweb from anywhere. <laughs> But I was also, like, thinking in my head, like, <laughs> sorry, I'm thinking about that movie. You know that movie called The Net? No. <laughs> I think it's, like, some crime movie where about, like, the internet or something. But I always think about it because it makes me laugh. Um, but I was, like, okay, that was a nice sprinkling. But honestly, like, as someone who's into, like, true crime and, like, that kind of thing, I'm sick of hearing about the digital element. I like to know about, like, how people solve things before. Uh-huh. And so I thought this was really well done because, yeah, it had a tiny sprinkling of, like, tech. Yeah, it's like, the, it's like a transition, transitional yeah. period, yeah. Totally. But, like, what I liked was, like, the use of archives and photographs to solve Oh, crime. I know you like your archives and photographs. You know I do. You know I do. Library and, Master Sophia. It's <laughs> just. I was so, like, interested in that because I was, like, yeah, like, let's solve a crime, like, analog. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I like that because, like, it's not it's not dated. Like, I guess some of it, like, could be considered dated. But it's recent enough, but also, like, it's straddling the kind of the methods. And I think, like, having, like, a journalist as, like, the hero, I love that aspect. Uh-huh. No one does it better than a journalist as a detective other than a librarian. <laughs> but, like... I loved it. I thought it was so well done. Sophia and I are trying to solve our first murder right now. We always are. <laughs> We're always on the hunt for <laughs> justice. There was one part of the investigation that kind of threw me. It was when they find one of Harriet's journals and it has a set of numbers. And yeah. they think it's like a phone number maybe or was it an address or something. Mm-hmm. And then Blomfisk's daughter comes in yep. and says, hey, look, these are Bible verses. Yep. And she just kind of leaves. <laughs> I don't like how they, they just kind of brought the daughter in for one scene to solve like a key part of the mystery. Yeah. And they don't really establish that she was super religious before that. Like they kind of mention it. She shows up and then leaves and that's it. That's so funny that you say that because this time like reading it around, I think this is my third or fourth time reading it. And um, this time, like I noticed when they were talking about his daughter in the beginning, they were like, and she had recently become religious, which Blomqvist didn't okay. point out. And I was like, this is such a weird throwaway sentence. But then, like, looking back, I was like, oh, my God, I completely forgot. But that makes sense. But you're right. Yeah, there might have been these couple things I missed. Out. I've only read the book once. So I'm oh, sure yeah. there's a lot of things you pick up on rereads. It's so well done. Like, the more I read it, the more I like it. And I'm always noticing something that I didn't notice before, which I love. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I found that I found that it's kind of used her daughter as a, his daughter as a plot device rather than, like, yes. a character. She just kind of shows up. She's says, hey, look at this. And then, yeah, she's gone. Yeah. Like, he's, I feel like it was really interesting, too, because, like, when they talk about his marriage, so he was married, like, a, a couple decades before. And it only lasted, like, three years, I think. And they kind of reference that, like, um, Blomqvist's wife thought that, like, his relationship with Erica Berger would stop once they got married and had their daughter. But it didn't. And so, like, that's why that fell apart. 
Um, but like, we don't really hear from like his ex-wife or his daughter very much. And when like they're talking about it, they basically say like, oh, Blomquist kind of like lets his daughter choose how much she wants him in, in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting. I don't know. <laughs> An interesting thing. So back to like, just, like how they unravel the mystery. Yeah. You think you really liked how they were able to do like the process of that? Yeah, I thought it was well done. I liked I liked how the numbers translated like the Bible verses. I just don't like mm-hmm. how they were how they were able to reveal that with the daughter. I wish they would found a different way to reveal like if they had Salander come in and do that instead of just the daughter popping in. Right. Something along those lines. I don't know. I think it was interesting too because like this kind of goes back to what I think the author does really well in like acknowledging all these different groups within Sweden and like the different like things they bring to the table in terms of knowledge and traditions and like how they use those. So like, I thought it was really interesting that they had like the younger girl being like religious and then like her dad being completely secular and like kind of like looking down upon it. Mm-hmm. And then Salander, I don't think we would consider her religious. Um, and so like, that was interesting to me. Like, and then even Salander's boss, like Armonsky, I always forget his name, Dragon, but um he like has a lot to bring to the table where like he's like biracial and he comes to the country from a different place. And there's just like a lot that's like acknowledged where I'm like, yeah, this is how like it looks every day. Like we're all like going through this with different ideas and stuff and watching them all work together to unravel. So it's really cool. I just wanted to go back to like just the mystery and, and to Martin, Mm -hmm. who did you like, who was your main suspect going through it the first time you read it? Did you have one or were you just kind of keeping all your options open? I really like, I felt like every time I almost settled on one where I was like, yeah, they seem evil. I was just like, nope, I don't know. Like uh-huh. I really, I, I'm, I'm really like, um, when I go into like a, a book like that though, I can be pretty gullible where I'm like, I just don't know. <laughs> like <laughs> I like to kind of like follow the train of thought and be like, I don't know. Here's a red herring. Maybe this is it. Um, but yeah, so I enjoyed that. I also suspected Harriet to be alive the entire time, but I thought somehow she was going to be Anita. Anita is the one. No, oh, Cecilia. Okay. Sorry, Cecilia. Cecilia. I thought Cecilia was going to be Harriet in disguise the entire time. Somehow uh, sneaking under Heinrich's nose. I don't know mm-hmm. how that would have worked in that turn of events, but yeah, yeah, I, I did suspect that she was alive the entire time. With like, it's kind of obvious when they say there's not a body that she's going to show up at some point. Yeah, and like the flowers. So like Heinrich was sent flowers every year. Um, oh yeah, that was kind of dark too. She could have left a note. So <laughs> the way the way the mystery is conveyed should... to the audience is that Heinrich gets a flower every year mailed to him, yeah. which is something that Harriet did every year on his birthday. Yeah, she would send him yeah. a pressed flower he had on his wall. <laughs> so after she was like murdered in quotation yeah. marks, so she actually wasn't murdered; she went missing. Mm-hmm. He still kept receiving flowers every year. Yes. So Heinrich took that as the murderer taunting him, saying, I killed your great grandniece. Yes. Here's a message for that. But what it actually is, is that it was Henry or Harriet, I was going to say Henrietta, <laughs> Harriet sending it from her hiding place in England yes. as a science. And I'm still alive. Don't worry about me. But that was taken the opposite way by Heinrich. Yes. But she could have just said, Here's a flower and a little note saying, P.S. I'm still alive. Don't think this is a crazy murder. <laughs> I, I want you to know that we're continuing on this episode of like Austin is a grandpa. Because when you said that, I pictured like your child, like not leaving a note when they go to the party. And it's <laughs> like you like walking up in your toga being like, you could have left a note. <laughs> My grandkid goes to a party. I'm going to call it. I'm going to call a journalist. <laughs> My grandkid's been murdered. I need you to help me find the murderer. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> That's beautiful. I come home. Grandpa, not again. This happens every week. (laughs) And you should have left a note. (laughs) I just want to say to you now in my new apartment, I don't have any neighbors, so I can be as loud as I want. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thrilled. I can't wait. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay, I wanted to ask you, considering the ending when Heinrich basically asks Blomqvist to cover some things up under the rug, do you consider him a good person still? Consider Heinrich a good person? Yes. Yes. Okay. But he he, he still is a businessman at heart, I guess, like a a capitalist. He has the best interest of his family business. Yes. Above per se. Oh, I guess it's the business, but it's also Harriet's well being too. So Yeah. 
I think he's a good person, though. Yeah, he has other people's best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. In the end, what do you think? I do, too. I agree with you. And, like, my thing was, like, when I was reading that, it kind of, like, goes to the book as well. So when Salander, like, is, like, beating Martin to a pulp and, like, she basically, like, takes Blomkvist out and he and she's like, what did you touch? We're wiping everything down. And then she talks to Heinrich's lawyer and she's like, we weren't involved. As far as I'm concerned, we weren't even here. And he's like, you just saw this murder. Like, we have to tell the public what Martin did, but then the company is going to collapse. And what about Harriet's feelings? Like, we can't just tell people that this happened to her. It's her narrative. And like, he's kind of like opening all this can of worms and he's like, oh my God, like, what's the right decision? And Salander's like, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not involved. And so like, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about too, because not only are like the relationships kind of ambiguous and fluid in the novel, what I feel like is like the sense of justice and right and wrong is also kind of ambiguous. Like it guides Blomqvist and even Salander to a point because they both have very distinct points of view on like what uh. is right, what is wrong. But there's like this ambiguity that's always kind of like up in the air. And like, I don't know where I was going with this, but I was like, how do you tell who is good and bad because we know obviously but like when you break down even like the good the good characters actions they're kind of doing the best with what they have you know what i mean it, yeah it kind of shows like all the characters are really morally gray in this yeah. novel like Blomfist, he's like a good man but he's not mm-hmm. a great father he sleeps around with all these women like he doesn't commit to anyone mm-hmm. and then like salander had a really bad childhood but mm-hmm. She's also extremely violent, which is the thing she was pushed to, like, from all the abuse she suffered. Yeah. Heinrich, yeah, he really cares for his great grandniece, but he's also willing to throw a veil over everything. hmm So, there really is no, like, saint in this novel, I guess you would say. No. Which I like, too. Like, it's yeah. Like, uh-huh. that's why it kind of, like, reminds me of, like, a noir. Because there's there's no purely good character. But at the same time, like... I feel so passionately that like Blomqvist and Salander are like working for the good. Like even at the end. So Salander like drains all of Vennerstrom's accounts and she takes all that money and she's like using it for other things. And that to me is like prime, like vigilante. Like her whole thing is like, I don't trust the mainstream and I'm going to take care of this and I'm going to set it right. And like, that speaks to me. <laughs> I don't know what it yeah, is. It shows they each have like different concepts of what right is. Like to Blomqvist, because yeah. he's a journalist, mm-hmm. what his concept of right is, is like putting the story out there so the public knows. And then yep. it's a matter of public record. Like this person was a murderer. He was a terrible person. We shouldn't yep. celebrate who he was. But then to Salander, doing the right thing is just making sure that the person who was abused is okay. And then yes. not bringing attention to it. Like it doesn't matter who the who the villain was it matters who the victim was and who they can be going forward Mm -hmm. I would agree with that I think like I think that's what I love about it like I think it that it feels more real and it feels more powerful as a story because not everything is tied up neatly um and like I think that's what makes it stick with you because when you hear all this bad news and you hear about everything coming to light like it's um really powerful because that's real life right like it's not Uh. tied up neatly with a bow stuff happens and you're there so i just wanted to talk about the ending a bit more so after they solve the wagner mystery wagner wagner mystery yeah they bring it back to the vennerstrom affair Mm -hmm. i found that entire end part went on way too long because they wrap up the wagner stuff and then it's Mm -hmm. probably another what 130 150 pages of just the vennerstrom stuff yeah which I felt like was like kind of like it was helpful, but honestly, I could have had the whole story without that. I mean, obviously, especially now, like we know terrible things happen every day, and it's like sometimes there's no closure or it's not the closure you wanted. Uh-huh. And so I think that the novel really speaks to that. But like the whole like Vennerstrom affair, like we, I almost felt like we didn't need that in the novel. Yeah, me too. Like it was like at least not so much of it. No. I think it would have been like a, I think it would have been like a twenty-page epilogue at most, not yeah, an entire section unto itself. No, and it's like I get why that motivated him, but especially after the closure of the Wagner stuff, it's like okay, this book's over, but then it keeps going. Mm-hmm. 
and the ending of when Salander decides that she wants to kind of like be honest with Blomqvist and she goes to see him and he's like kissing Erica Berger outside. God, it's brutal. <laughs> Like, start playing, like, Olivia Rodrigo, that song. Like, it's brutal out here. Like, uh, you made that reference twice in the podcast. I still don't understand oh, it. <laughs> listen to the song. That's exactly why. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, there is nothing more devastating than seeing the person you like with someone else. Like, it, it's such a blow. And the fact is, is that, like, she never opens up. And, like, they even had a conversation where she was like, I like sleeping with you. And he's like, yeah, but are we friends? Because I'd rather be your friend than, like, nothing at all. So pretty much, it's this the three se- three seasons straight of How I Met Your Mother. Oh, don't kill me, like <laughs> it was brutal. It was so bad, and like I think too, just like she never opens up, and then finally, like she decides to take that chance, and he's like, "Oh, I'm just out here with Erica," and she's like, "This guy's never gonna change," and she just walks away, and she's like on her like motorcycle, just going home, and I was like, "I just want to hug you. Like I'm so sorry that happened to you. Like, uh." brutal. <laughs> okay, do you have anything else to say about the plot of this novel? There's a couple points I wanted to bring out just about the stuff surrounding the novel. Go for it. Okay. Film adaptations. Mm. I forgot, did you say you've seen both of them? I've seen both of them. I feel like I only remember the American one for some reason. How do you think it stacks up to the novel? I think it's okay. And I think that, like, casting, like, Daniel Craig, like, Makes sense because he's like he's man. I couldn't I couldn't take that. It's <laughs> it I, don't, like, I don't I just can't take Daniel Craig seriously in any role. <laughs> I was like I guess I think I think the casting in like the European one was better, um, and I think it was kind of like more true to like the ambiguity. Like I feel like the American one really like kind of sensationalized things um, to make it kind of more Hollywood. But I'll be honest, I don't think I finished the American one. I haven't seen any of the Swedish one, but mm-hmm. I got up to the the rape scene, the American one, and it was yeah. it was just so brutal that it was awful. Kate and I were watching, and we just watched. And we were like, "Oh, we can't watch any more of this." And we turned it off for the time being. We just haven't got back into it since. But no, yeah, I think I fast forwarded it. It was just too much. Like I was like, "This is not what I want." Like even reading about that stuff was awful. But uh-huh. yeah, it was pretty novel. Yeah. It was pretty brutal and novel too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was awful. So I also wanted to ask about the series as a whole. Have you read all the books? Yes. So the author of the books, he died before the first one even published, right? But yep. he wrote three of them. Yep. Was it two or three following his death or written under a ghostwriter or just somebody continuing his work? So I think it's still continuing. I have decided to stop reading it because after the third one, like the ghostwriter is just not it's not as good as the trilogy because I mean I don't think it can be right like I understand what they're trying to do but also like it's it's not the same tone and they're like kind of writing Salander in a way where I'm like this is not uh-huh. um but yeah like the first three are Stieg Larsson he passed away before any of them were published I find that and, crazy I had no idea reading that like as I was reading it, I looked it up uh-huh. after I think after I finished reading it it was wild and I think too like there was an issue where, don't quote me on it, I should have looked this up before we recorded, but like his long-term partner, they were never married, but they were like common law and she doesn't have any rights to any of like the royalties, which seems rough. Insane, Um, yeah. Yeah. And so like that's also kind of problematic. Um, But yeah, there's just like this whole thing of like, can you imagine like passing away and like not knowing how well your book did like that sucks. Uh, yeah it's too bad without going into too much detail do the plot of the subsequent novels follow i know it follows blomfigus and salander mm-hmm. but is it the same supporting cast of characters is it to come back to the vangers at all or is it a completely no. brand new vis- okay completely brand new um which is nice we do hear like a little bit about heinrich i think because now he's like a partial owner of millennium which right. is blomfigus's magazine um, but like completely different stuff, but it does go more into like Salander's childhood as well. Like that's really interesting. Is there like a B plot that follows through the background of all of them? I wouldn't really say so. God, it's been a while since I read the other two, but like other than like Salander and Blomqvist and like the other supporting characters that you might see would be like Dragon Armonsky and, um, Erica maybe Erica and, I think we do see Blomqvist's ex-wife a little bit and his sister for sure. 
Um, but yeah, that's it. And it's, it's really good. Like I really enjoyed all of them, to be honest. I assume the second one is either called the girl with two dragon tattoos. <laughs> A or, missed opportunity. Or the girl with dragon tattoos and tattoos. <laughs> yeah. The second syllable is the number two. Oh my God. Don't yeah. tell me if I'm wrong. Just let me, let me think I, that. I won't. I'll <laughs> let you think that. Uh, it might take you a while to find them on the bookshelf when you go shopping for it, but... Then the third one is obviously the girl with three dragon tattoos. The, the girl with dragon tat three. <laughs> Catchy. Catchy. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, I just want to say my final comment is I think it holds up. I think that he really captured things that, like, were simmering in that era. Like, I think after Trump, everything has just been, comp- like, completely clear right like you know brexit trump all this rhetoric around like like racism and anti-immigration and misogyny like stieg larson captures it and he knows that it's a brewing problem and he captures it amazingly in his work he had like the vision to see that it was an issue would have been interesting to see if he had survived to this day, how he would have like integrated all these current events into his novels, considering how socially conscious he was back then. Yeah, absolutely. 15, 20, 15, 20 years ago. God, that's crazy to think about. Yeah. I mean, I totally think that like he just kind of uncovers or brings to light like these issues that people know have been here, but like in a way that's like, yeah, there's a storm coming. Like, uh huh. Yeah, I really liked it as well. I'd be up to talk about the others, at least the first three in the series and later episodes. Yeah. It'd yeah. be very interesting to talk about to see how like the different themes develop and how the characters change and yeah, all that fun stuff. Totally, I agree. Yeah, it was it was fun talking about this one this week. Yeah. Thank you for assigning it to me. Thank you for reading it. <laughs> this is the best when you have like best friends who will read the best books with you. <laughs> a plus. Um, hey, yeah. Thanks for and talking. Happy... And... Yeah. <laughs> Happy season three, everybody. Happy season three, yes. I We're forgot back. about that. We're back. We're back and brighter and even brighter than better. Even brighter <laughs> than the second season. <laughs> yes, we are. We're right. going to put it back and brighter or in brackets. <laughs> new things or whatever. Young things. Okay. They might revoke my degree if they see that. So I don't know if that grammar will hold up in court. I haven't got my degree yet, so I can say whatever I want. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> back and brighter than ever. There we go. Amen. <laughs> Maybe they could do the sequel, A Girl with a Dragon or Tattoo. <laughs> oh, my gosh. A Girl with a Bigger Dragon Tattoo. <laughs> We're not ever going to title a book together. That's a promise. I Well, we, we agreed on the dragon with a girl tattoo. <laughs> the dragon with, you know what? Okay. I'll count it. <laughs> okay. Right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, Sophia. Thank you, Austin. We'll see you next week.